0: We see ourselves in chapter 47 of Genesis in a very clear way. And so I'd like to read a good portion of it beginning in verse 1, chapter 47, Genesis, as we continue our series. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They're now in the land of Goshen. From among his brothers he took five men. And presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land. For there is no pasture for our serv- your servants' flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood before him, before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and evil have been my days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided for his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all of the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, "'Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone.'" And Joseph answered, give your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, we will not hide from my Lord, our money is all spent. The herds of our livestock are not are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food. And we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was very severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priest he did not buy. For the priest had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. The man was lecturing a whole room full of executives, and he picked out a man in the back and he said, let me ask you a question. If I gave you $50, would you go over to the other side of the room and see that four-inch balance beam? Would you walk across it for $50? And the man said, absolutely. He said, well, let me ask you something. Let's say that balance beam, that Four-inch-wide balance beam was 100 feet in the air between two buildings. Would you walk between the buildings? He said, not for 50 bucks. And everybody laughed, and the man said, well, let me ask you this. Let's say on one of those buildings I had one of your children in my arms, and I threatened to drop him if you didn't walk across. Would you walk across? The man only had to think for a second. He said, which child? Which child? Years ago, John Trent wrote a book that sold more than two million copies. It was called The Blessing, and it was well-received. And in that book, he talked about the power of affirmation, not only in the lives of adults, but in the lives of children. And so as he finished uh, speaking that day in front of a group of people, a woman came to him and said, I've got a story for you. And he said, tell me. He said, well, it really isn't my story. It's the story of my son and his two-year-old daughter. Trent said, tell me. She said, well, my daughter and son have two children, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and for a number of years, my son has taken their five-year-old out to breakfast. They call it date, not night, date day. (laughs) And so it dawned on him that he should probably begin taking his two-and-a-half-year-old daughter out too, and so they went to IHOP. They ordered pancakes, and when the pancakes arrived, my son decided to tell his daughter how much he loved her, how much he appreciated her. And so he said, Jenny, I want you to know how special you are. To mommy and to me, we prayed for you even before you were born. We are so proud of you. We would rather have you than any other child we could possibly have. And with that, he picked up his fork and began to cut into the pancakes. And she grabbed his hand and said, longer, daddy. So he put his fork down. He said, Jenny, the reason you're so special to us is, and he began to enumerate all the reasons And when he finished, he picked up his fork and went back to the pancakes, and she grabbed his hand and said, longer, Daddy, longer. That mother said, my son didn't get much nourishment that day, but his two-year-old did. In fact, two days later, she ran up to her mom and said, Mom, I'm a really special girl. Daddy told me so. Someone has said, for proper development to occur in the life of a child, there must be a clear sense of appreciation that is apprehended and understood. And that is exactly what we see in today's text. Here when the brothers and the fathers of Joseph come into Egypt and they begin to settle in the land of Goshen, the Lord affirms to them and to us how much he loves us And how much he appreciates us. In fact, what he does for the children of Israel in this text is exactly what he does for every son and daughter of God. So let's dig in and take a look. First of all, notice notice the favor of God. Verse 3. Pharaoh said to Joseph's brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. Now, the word servant there is ebed in Hebrew, and it means one who works on behalf of another. And it's interesting to note that that relationship with Pharaoh and servants, like these children of Israel, is something that Pharaoh acknowledges. He says at the end of his short message to Joseph, If you know any able men among your brothers, put them in charge of my livestock. Now, that's an amazing statement. Pharaoh is a king of Egypt. He is the embodiment of Egypt. And what he's declaring here is that I have determined that I will entrust my livestock to foreigners. Not only to foreigners, but to foreign shepherds. Now, that was unthinkable to the Egyptians. The Egyptians hated shepherds. Men of the field were an anathema to every Egyptian. Ag- Egyptians dwelt in cities, and yet these are lowly shepherds. It's interesting, over the 3,000 year history of Pharaohs, there is a number of art artifacts that have been discovered, drawings, paintings, and so forth. And during the pharaonic period, pharaonic, don't you like that? Pharaonic period, you will find that there are a number of pictures or portraits of shepherds. And when they're painted or drawn, they're always painted or drawn with three particular characteristics. They're dirty, they're crippled, and they're disfigured. To the Egyptians, there was nothing lower than a shepherd. And yet, look what the king of Egypt does. As the result of his relationship with Joseph, through the work of Joseph, these dirty, crippled, disfigured men are made acceptable. The Bible says when the five brothers come before Pharaoh, They say the words that Joseph told them to say, We, your servants, are shepherds. In other words, there is nothing to commend us to you. And yet, because of Joseph, the king accepts them. And he does more than that. He grants them incredible favor. Look what he says. Settle your fathers and your brothers in the best part of the land. Put them in charge of my livestock. Think of this. He not only grants them an audience, he does far more than that. Instead of saying, get out of my presence, you filthy scoundrels, he gives them his best. And there's absolutely no explanation for it except for Joseph. Look what the Bible says in verse 20 20 and 21. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. For all the Egyptians sold their fields because of the famine. It was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Now this word for servant here is different than ebed. It has the same root, but this word means to be reduced to servitude. This means to be actually compelled into service. And the Hebrew Bible says what Joseph does is he rounds up all the people of Egypt and he puts them in slave cities where food can be distributed to them. The children of Israel who humble themselves, take on the role of a servant, are given the best of the land, but the citizens of Egypt are pressed into slavery. Do you see the favor here? Do you see the level of appreciation that the king bestows on the children of Israel because of Joseph. Those who are dirty, those who are crippled, those who are disfigured are given the best of the land, while those who are proud, civilized, and privileges lose all of their land. Second, notice not only the favor, notice the freedom they get. Look at verses 11 and 12. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Now notice here, there's no talk about money when it comes to the children of Israel. There's no talk about them laboring, hard labor. There's no talk about forced servitude. In fact, while the children of of Egypt have no land and they're forced into slavery, they lose all their means of support. The children of Israel gain more than they've ever had. Look at verse 15, when all the money was spent in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan, all of the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we we die before your eyes? For all our money is gone. And when you go back and you read the entire story again, you find that never once do the children of Israel pay for anything. Now they try to buy food on several occasions, but the money's always put back in their sack. And yet when the Egyptians come to buy food, Joseph accepts their money. In fact, it's so accepted that Joseph takes all of it. And when they come back and they have no money left, and they say, are we going to die before your eyes? What are you going to do for us? Joseph says, uh, give me your livestock. In other words, if you don't have money, I'll take everything you have. And a year later, when they come back and they have no money and no livestock, Joseph says, give me yourselves and your land. It sounds like Bernie Sanders. (laughs) I mean, Joseph is nationalizing everything. I love what Margaret Thatcher once said, the problem with socialism is soon you run out of other people's money. And that's exactly what happens to the Egyptians. Everything they have, they lose. Everything that kept them alive, they lose. It costs them everything. The greater their need, the greater their indebtedness. But it's absolutely the opposite with the children of Israel. Thanks to their brother Joseph, Everything they need, they get for free. Instead of being pressed into service, they humble themselves. Instead of being forced to slave, they're offered service opportunities. They're offered the privilege of taking care of the livestock of Pharaoh. You see, in the midst of the famine, in the midst of a widespread enslavement, The children of Israel are free. Then third, notice not only the favor and the freedom, notice the fullness. Look at verse 12. Joseph provided for his father and his brothers and all of his father's household with food according to the number of their descendants. You know what that means? Everything they eat comes directly from Joseph. And that stands to reason because the name Goshen means to draw near. They're able to draw near to the prime minister of Egypt. And every bit of food they receive comes directly from Joseph. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think for one minute, throughout all seven years of famine, that Joseph distributed all that food himself? Do you think he sat there every day and had everybody come from all of the land of Egypt? And he and he was able to feed all the starving people. Not on your life. He instituted a supply chain. The Egyptians were great administrators. They're people of high culture. Everybody in Egypt ate because Joseph had established a system where all the storehouses of grain would be opened and there would be supply given to these slave cities. But that's the exact opposite of what happens to his own family. Jacob and his brothers, they eat with no middleman. There's no supply chain. Joseph feeds his family. He draws near to them and feeds him feeds them by his own supplies. Nobody's left out. All who are his are fed. Now, could anything be clearer? Could you as a Christian read this text and not see that Joseph is a perfect personification of Jesus? And you and I are a perfect personification of his brothers, their story is your story. I mean, think of it. Before Jesus Christ encountered you, you were living in a famine. You were ready to die. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. The king thought, took no thought of you. To the king who was holy and pure, you were nothing but dirty and you couldn't clean yourself. You were crippled, but you couldn't even walk. You couldn't stand on your own. To the king, you were disfigured. and You couldn't heal yourself. But then our Joseph came. Our Joseph became one of us. He became a servant by his own choice. And through his sufferings, he pleased the king. And the king has given us the best of all of his heaven and earth. Remember the quote for a child to develop properly there must be a clear sense of appreciation that is apprehended and understood have you come to the place in your life where you are every day apprehending more and more the appreciation the love that the lord has for you have you come to know every day more and more what or your Joseph has done for you. I think of a man I met 20 years ago, maybe a little longer. Dan Gallagher introduced me to him. We both were in ministry. I was starting my second decade here. He was just leaving his church after five, four or five years. Now, I was beginning my second decade voluntarily. You chose to keep me. That church chose to bounce him. He had been there for a couple of years, number of years, and they said, Enough. We want you gone. And the reasons were varied. For some people, it was cultural. He was from Ghana. They were from this area. For others, it was racial. They were white. He was black. But for almost all of them, it was spiritual. He loved Jesus, and they were more in love with themselves. And as he sat across the table from me, I asked him what happened, and he told me. For the next five minutes, he laid out very succinctly all the problems that had befallen him. And for the life of me, I can't remember any detail. But what I do remember is what he said at the end of that description. In his heavy Ghanaian accent, he said this, I have concluded one thing. For a Christian to grow, that Christian must be fat, faithful, available, and teachable. And it's this last element that I find so sadly missing in most Christians I know, and me too. Most Christians want to believe what they want to believe. Most Christians believe what works best for them. Their biblical understanding and their theology is based on their own assumptions. And nowhere is that more clear than in our understanding of the character of God. Do you know how much He loves you? Do you know how much He appreciates you? Out of the abundance of His love, you were starving to death. Out of the abundance of His love, you tried to buy food, but He wouldn't sell it to you. He gave it to you. Out of the abundance of of his love, when all around you there were people being enslaved to every imaginable bondage, he freed you and he gave you the best of his land. Out of the abundance of his love, when you were seeking to satisfy your insatiable desire for affirmation, for worth and for wholeness, he came to you, and he provided it to you with his own hand. The woman said, my, when the pancakes arrived, my son decided it would be time to tell his little two-and-a-half-year-old daughter how much he loved her and appreciated her. But when he reached for his fork to cut the pancakes, she grabbed his hand and said, longer, Daddy, Longer. You know, because of the greatness of my Joseph, the more I eat at his table, the more I can identify with that little girl. I don't need the pancakes. I need to hear again of his favor for me. I don't need the syrup. I need to hear how free I am. I don't need the milk or the juice or the coffee. All I needed is fullness. And I'm not alone. That's you too. Have you come to recognize again and again how much He loves you and appreciates you? He has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And just like those brothers of Joseph who came to Egypt expecting the worst, when they got there, they got more than they could ever imagine. And you and I are just like them. Think about that. Amen.